Stand with me tonight while we read the King James Bible. Psalm chapter 127. I want to go back so if I can, I can show you the setting and then move forward. In Psalm 128, we read these two Psalms because I believe they are companion Psalms in the Scripture. In fact, when you read them, you'll see that God is addressing the man of the house and then he addresses the household as well. Then he tells how the household has an effect upon the city, how the household has an effect upon the nation, how the household has an effect upon the house of God. Psalm 127 verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. The Bible said, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Now notice how the language is addressed to that man in verse number five of Psalm 127. And then the Bible said, for thou shalt eat of the labor of thine hands. Verse two, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. The similes that God invested in this passage are really powerful. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. So he's not only just a happy man, even though he is a happy man. The scripture said he is a man that is blessed of God. I'm far more interested in being blessed of God than I am happy as the world would describe it. Verse five, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. You may be seated. And we're looking at Psalm 128 specifically. I mentioned this as we began preaching this subject some weeks ago. The welfare of a country depends upon the welfare of its homes. The welfare of a church depends upon the spiritual condition of its homes. The welfare of the home depends upon the spiritual condition of its head and the sacred order of its family members. The fabric of American culture is failing today because of the destruction of God's ideal that is found in the biblical home. It is also many times, not always, but many times related to the failure of the spiritual head 
and the respective family members that make up the home. And so we notice from these Psalms that Psalm 127 reveals that this home is divinely built. That this home, the Lord is the builder of the home. Except the Lord build the house. And we know he's talking about the household, the family unit. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And so this man, we described in Psalm 128, this man is a God-fearing man. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, verse number one, that walketh in his way. So this home is divinely built. And then the Bible tells us in Psalm 128, that this psalm is divinely blessed. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Verse 4, behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. And so now the psalmist addresses in verse number 1, and the following passage is here in the opening of this psalm, the man that fears God. The man who builds a godly home is the man that fears the Lord. He's the father of the family. First of all, his primary relationship is with God. Somebody help me preach a little while. He's a God-fearing man. Not only that, the Bible said in verse 1, he walketh in his ways. So he fears God and he follows God. And we notice that this man furnishes his family. He's not connected to governmental assistance and those types of things. But he's a man that is not ashamed to go out and work. Amen. He's a God-fearing man, a man that follows God. And his life is rooted in the fear of God. And so the vital connection to that man and that family shows the benefit that he has to Zion. And we notice that Zion and Jerusalem are separated in this psalm, which usually indicates God is talking about the house of God, the true place of worship. And so the godly man and his life and his pattern has a vital connection to the house of God. He's a benefit to the house of God. Nothing worse than a man who's spiritually lazy. A man that is spiritually shiftless, that will not take the God-given role. So this family has a vital connection to Zion, is a benefit to Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us, thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. And not only that, there'll be peace upon Israel. And I'm thankful that a godly home can have that effect. And so the first point we dealt with was the Father and the favor of God. I'm thankful tonight you and I that are men can fear God and follow God, feed our family and direct our affairs after the word of God. And so tonight we're dealing with the wife and his family, the wife of the home and this man's family. I'm thankful that the Bible gives us this language. The scripture said that the head of this home is a happy man. And not only is he happy, but he's also blessed. As I search the scripture, I find out that that home that has its heart rooted in the fear of God and that is following God is led by a man that is happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we may not be happy about what's going on in our country politically. We certainly don't have to be happy about what's going on in our country morally, but we should be happy about the fact 
Thank God that our sins have been forgiven and that we have a relationship with the God of heaven. And so the blessing of God is upon this family. And this God-fearing man has what the Bible said here. He said in verse 3, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. And the Bible describes this, this home relationship, the wife and the children. And the scripture said, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thy house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. And so there's the, the figure of the wife as a fruitful vine in verse number three. Now I want to remind you that this is the gift of partnership that God is the designer of the home. That the holy God who made all things that is the creator of the world and the creator of everything that exists. That that same holy God has also made the first institution of society. That first institution is the home. And marriage is God's idea and it's God's ideal. It is not two men or two women and it is not a sodomite relationship but it is indeed a covenant relationship a partnership designed by God for the blessing of society. In fact, God made the home to make up the fabric of the society that we're living in. What we're witnessing in this hour is the destruction of the home and Satan's all-out attack in America upon the home that's been designed by God. And that home was designed for the blessing of society and the blessing of the house of God. Now the Bible says that thy my wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thy house. God has given this man a partner in his life. And the Bible said in Genesis 2, God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And that's an amazing phrase in the scripture. It reveals that, that the woman is the man's completer. That the woman is the man's companion. That the woman is the man's complement. That she is that partner in life. And that's the way that the scripture presents it in God's precious word. The scripture calls her a help me. She is a completer. She's a companion. She's a companion. She's not a commander. Isaiah chapter 3, the Bible said Isaiah raised his voice in Israel and he said, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy pies. What's happened in America, the role reversal, not only in society, but also in the home, where the woman becomes the head and the man becomes a submissive partner, where the woman becomes the breadwinner and the man becomes a follower and a home husband. Somebody help me preach a little while tonight. And so that woman is a companion. She's not a commander. She's a completer. She's not a destroyer. She's a partner. She's not a proprietor. But she's what God has made her to be. I bless his name tonight. The word help implies in Genesis chapter 2 to aid or to succor, which implies help or aid in time of distress. 
the word me, which it's two words. Sometimes we pronounce it like it's one word. The word meet means a counterpart or one suited completely to be a companion. That is God has allowed the man and the woman to come together in a biblical relationship in a way that his divine design is brought together. And the Bible said, whoso findeth the wife, findeth the what? Good thing. And the Bible even says that, that he obtaineth favor of the Lord. And Peter presents it like this. Are you with me now? He said that that couple are praying partners. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 said, Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And so Peter presents them as heirs together of the grace of life. It's a sacred partnership. Not only that, they're viewed as praying partners. I really believe that if there was a whole lot more praying in the home, listen, friend, we'd have a whole lot less problems at the house of God. That's exactly right. In fact, the wise instruction of Solomon to live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. And so here, this partner that God has given is a divine gift from God. She has said, help me. She's a counterpart, one suited completely to be his companion. Not only that, she's a prayer partner. I'm thankful tonight for my wife. In fact, some of the greatest things that we've done here at Unity Baptist Church have been spawned from our prayer lives, praying and seeking God. I believe there'd be a lot less conflict in the home if people pray like they should and partner together in prayer. And so there's the gift of partnership. He said, thy wife. He presents it like the Bible does. And then there's not only the gift of partnership, but the scripture said, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thy house. And so he presents the wife as a fruitful vine. And the vine in scripture is a a picture of fruitfulness. In John 15, you remember what Jesus said. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. It begins to tell us about the fruitfulness that the vine can produce when it abides in the Lord Jesus Christ. There can be a prayer answering there when we abide in the vine. Oh, hallelujah. He said there would be joy that abided in us and things can take place when you and I abide in Christ. But that picture of a fruitful vine is a reminder of the fruitfulness that a woman can bear in the home. Somehow that our society has taken away the dignity that a woman has in the Christian home. Now I want to say that some of the greatest people of God on the face of the earth are those women that have taken the responsibility to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and partnered with their husband. And first of all, they have the fruitfulness about their own life. The first fruit is the fruit of salvation. It's impossible to lead someone in a path that we've not gone in. And it's good when you and the wife both know the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's essential. In fact, when I think about it, I think about her fruitfulness. And first there should be the fruit of salvation. 
Every married couple that I counsel in anticipation of being married, the first thing we cover is biblical salvation. Sometimes the greatest hindrance is there's one that really loves God and one that really just along for the ride. I want to say tonight, if you are a partner in marriage, the greatest thing that you could give your partner in marriage is a person that's saved, that, that is walking with God, somebody that bears the fruit of Christ in their life and the fruit of a Christian in their life and the fruit of salvation in their life. Oh, therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. And you and I that are saved ought to bear the fruit of a child of God. Oh, I bless the name of God tonight. I was there in the service tonight. My wife got saved. And we've been walking together in this way for over 30 years now. And several years after we got married, went out to the pastorate. And I want to say hallelujah for a saved wife. Sometimes people will say, oh, she's a good woman. And uh, listen, there's a vast difference between just being a good woman and being a person who knows God. There's a vast difference between somebody that can get along with others and somebody that's fairly docile and somebody that knows Christ and knows their Bible and walks with God and is diligent about following God's will. And so one aspect of her fruitfulness is the fruit of salvation and she can also bear the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love manifested in eight other qualities. The love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Oh, I bless the name of God for women that walk in the power of God. And as much as you and I are submitted to God, we can bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And we should bear it constantly. But that depends on how much our life is submitted to the Spirit's power. And so she is a fruitful individual. One aspect of her fruitfulness speaks of her bearing of children. And I know not everyone can bear children and I'll deal with that in just a few moments but let me say in the society of Israel as well as the scripture, a large family was viewed as a blessing from God. And I remember we started having our family and honestly now if you have more than about one or two people look at you like you're a weirdo. And my wife, we had gone to the hospital today. My daughter was born and the lady come in, my wife's always looked young, and I'm glad. Sometimes they mistake her for my daughter, and that don't feel too good, but pray for me, all right? Anyway, we were, we were at the hospital, and she was going to give birth to Sarah. And uh, the lady come in and checked her and all, you know, and started trying to get things ready. And my wife said, you need to get the nurse. And so I went and got the nurse. I said, ma'am, my wife needs you in here right now. She said, I feel the baby. And the lady come in and said, darling, said, are you okay? She said, yes, I'm okay. She said, is this your first child? And she said, no, this is my third child. And I feel the baby. And she said, well, let me check you now. I just checked you a few minutes ago. And she, and uh, when she got to that point, she said, oh no. She said, don't push, don't do anything. I got to get the doctor. And they come in there with a, with a card and all kind of instruments about like the Keystone Cops. And business picked up in a very short time. But you'd see us out in the public. And sometimes people look at you kind of strange. Got three little old stairs step kids. And, and they say, are all those yours? Are all those yours? Yeah, bless the Lord. They are ours. Amen. God gave them to us. 
and we thank the Lord for it, but it, it, it was a blessing viewed as a blessing of God. And the portrait of that vine hanging with fruit is also a symbol of the blessings of God. And the Bible teaches us that that Christian man ought to seek a godly seed, those that will serve God and fear him and follow him all the days of their life. And so that fruit of the vine produces a, a non-intoxicating drink, that grape juice that, that brings gladness to the heart. And so she has the fruit of salvation. She has the, the fruit of the spirit in her life. And she has the fruit of those little souls around her to point them to Christ. And boy, our first desire is for every single one of them to know Christ. And, and we would say it often. We would say it. I remember one day I came home and I used to keep a, a testament in my pocket all the time. Wore several of them out. I kept an old picture of me before I got saved. I had taken it out. The thing had come all apart and I was trying to get me another one. I laid that picture up on the dresser and one of the kids found it. And uh, one of them came in there and held it up to mama and said, mama, I said, who is this? Who is this? I said, I think I'll let daddy tell you who that is when he gets home. And we sit around the table and they said, daddy, who is this? And I told them again how I got born again, how Christ came into my heart, how Jesus saved my soul, how God brought us together, how God made us a family and how he blessed us so we could have three babies and try to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so it's a gift of partnership. And not only that, it's a good place. But the Bible also teaches us about this fruitfulness. I, I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, good wives are also fruitful in kindness. Amen. The model woman today is a big mouth, bossy ideal of an individual. Somebody help me preach a little while. I need some of you men help me get out the door tonight after I get done preaching. If you ain't scared, if you're scared, say you're scared. Amen. That's exactly right. Amen. But good wives are fruitful in kindness and fruitful in thrift, fruitful in helpfulness and affection. If they bear no children, they're by no means barren. If they yield us the wine of consolation and the clusters of comfort, truly blessed is the man whose wife is fruitful in those good works which are suitable to her near and dear position. And so Spurgeon is telling us that a woman can be fruitful in many ways. She can be fruitful in aiding him in living for God. Amen. She can be fruitful in helping him serve God and follow God. And boy, my wife has been that kind of companion. I bless the name of God for that. I told her, I said, if you ever die, I won't be able to pastor. She much is so much a part of the ministry here at Unity Baptist Church. The very heart of it and leading our ladies here, walking with God and helping us in so many ways. And the Bible tells us here that she is like a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. That is her place. When the angels came across the plain and met with Abraham before they went down to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed those cities of the plain, the first thing they said is, where is Sarah thy wife? And Abraham said, in the tent. And the Bible portrays her place is by the sides of the house. I like what Matthew Henry said about this language in the scripture. He said, not underfoot to be trampled upon. Not underfoot to be trampled upon. 
And uh, I know there's a lot of wife beaters today. Man's got to be pretty sorry to try to beat up on his wife. Oh, yes. Not under her foot to be trampled, nor upon the housetop to domineer. She's not a woman that's trying to take control of the home and trying to rule over her husband. And thank God for that. Matthew Henry said, but on the side of the house, being a rib out of the side of the man, being a rib out of the side of the man, that makes her prime rib. Amen. That's exactly right. Amen. She shall be a loving wife as the vine which cleaves to the house side, an obedient wife as the vine which is pliable, grows up as it's directed, as fruitful as the vine, not only in children, but in fruits of wisdom and righteousness and good management, the branches of which run over the wall, like in the prophecy about Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 49. Thank God for those women. I think about these, and I think about families through the years. And many of them have produced godly men and women, godly families and preachers and missionaries. Oh, thanks be unto God for women who care about the home and who care about the family. And their portrait in life is to be not just good, but thank God it is to be godly. Hallelujah. Then not only is there here the godly portrait, but then we also find the olive plants. The Bible said thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Now, the scripture gives here the gift of children, the gift of progeny, if you will, like olive plants, as the olive plants often surrounded the parent tree in the east. There would be those little, sometimes when people grow, they say, look at the little babies coming up around this tree here. And those olive yards in Israel were an amazing feature in the national life. Not only did it provide oil for the cooking, but also it's a part of the sacred anointing oil. And these little plants grew up around the parent tree. And they'd surround the table of their parents at family gatherings. And boy, that's a blessed picture in life. A woman who loves her family, loves her husband, and loves her children. They're pictured as olive plants round about the tree. As a reminder also that one day mom and dad will be gone. And the children will replace those who have led the way for so many years. In fact, these children, they learn in the home things that they carry with them all their lives. They learn spiritual lessons and they learn scriptural truths. And the Bible said in Psalm chapter 78 that you and I have the responsibility to train our children. And I believe that the Christian home is the most vital part, not only of the local church, but the society in which we live in. And in Psalm 78, the Bible said in verse three, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them unto their children, 
that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that sent not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And so there to be left some things about the praises of the Lord. Now I like it when it gets like that around here and Sometimes my little granddaughter, she's sitting on the lap. Somebody shouts over on this side. She'll look around to see what's going on and be all big eyed. Sometimes want to hold her up and say, go ahead and take a look at God's people worshiping God, raising their hands, raising their voices. Oh, bless the name of God. I watch the little children as they look and see God's people praising God. I've been to meetings when they were real small and it get on and God's people start praising him as we praise him and magnify him and glorify him. Oh, thank God for the praises of God and his wonderful works. Thank God for the strength of God that we convey. Oh, I want to say tonight, our God is still able. Our God is still able to carry us through. It may be a long valley. It may be a dark night, but our God is still able. Hallelujah. So we look at these things that are instilled. In fact, children learn and establish moral boundaries in the home. They learn about things right and things wrong. And sometimes they learn words and they hear things that they really ought not to hear. And my wife was for years a young child Sunday school teacher. And I I don't remember the, the age group now, but it's about the age where they become observant and they come to church and tell everything they know. You know what I'm saying? Mommy and daddy were hollering at each other on the way to church. Pray for us. Amen. I mean, they're brutally honest. They don't have any filter at all. They tell everything they know. They'll tell it all. I mean, they really will. Oh, pray for us. Mommy and daddy was fussing bad last night. I mean, it was bad. It really was. They're also to establish in the home moral boundaries. They learn about things right and wrong. Now, I remember one day our kids had been off somewhere and they come back and one of them said a word he wasn't supposed to say. And uh, my wife said, hold on a minute. She said, where'd you hear that? This one said, well, so-and-so said it. She said, all right, from here on out. She said, if you didn't hear mommy or daddy say it, then be careful that you don't repeat it. And they learn. They learn because sometimes even little kids have picked up on all kinds of profanity, vile things that they say and they learn and they repeat those things and they say things that they ought not to say. They learn in the home, around the table, spiritual values. In fact, for years, our kids would say, when they come to a place and pick up a book, they wasn't old enough really to discern. They'd say, Bible, 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 Daddy, Bible, Bible. And I, sometimes I, I would teach them, i say, no, that's not a Bible, but we have Bibles and we have God's Word gave them a Bible so they could start to learn to carry it to the house of God and they're to learn certain spiritual values and they learn certain relationship principles. They learn how to treat each other. They learn how to respect authority. Somebody help me preach right now. If I had talked to my mom and dad like I've seen kids nowadays, they're not always teenagers either. Some of, them, some of them are less than teenagers. If I talked to my mom like that, I'd be wearing dentures tonight. My daddy would not have put up with it at all. 
he would not have tolerated my mama. She was too small and she, she'd get after me with the broom handle, but daddy wouldn't have put up with it at all. He set certain boundaries about us. He taught us not to ever disrespect our mother and we learned how to treat each other. Now, we didn't always obey those principles, but we would learn there were consequences for our actions. Pity the parent that always blames the teacher at school for the bad behavior of their children. Always thinks little Johnny's like a little angel. He hasn't done anything wrong. It's the teacher's fault always. No, it's not always the teacher's fault. Sometimes those kids are out of line. My daddy would tell us, he'd drop us off at my aunts and uncles and he'd look right at my uncle and said, if he, if he acts up, whoop him. And then he'd say, and when he gets home, I'll give him another one. Woo! Now that's really bad when you get whooped twice for one offense. Made me really walk a line in my life. And so here, these spiritual values are instilled in the life. The Christian home is the most valuable institution in developing godly adults and strengthening the nation. In fact, it's been not only revealed in the scripture, it's been proven again and again in society. In fact, the study of two families revealed some startling results. One family descended from a man named Max Jukes. He did not follow the Lord, nor did his wife. Among over 1,200 descendants studied from this family, 310 were professional vagrants. 440 were physically wrecked by lives of debauchery and uncleanness. 130 went to the penitentiary for an average of 13 years each, and seven of them were murderers. 100 were alcoholics. 60 were habitual thieves. 190 were prostitutes. Of the 20 who learned a trade, 10 of those learned it in a state prison. Collectively, they cost the state of New York over a million dollars. And a problem that began right there in the home and continued out through generation after generation. The second family study was that of Jonathan Edwards, the New England preacher and his godly wife, Sarah. Among his descendants, 300 became pastors, missionaries, and theological professors. Over 100 of them became college professors. Over 100 became lawyers, including 30 judges. Over 60 became physicians. Over 60 authored good books. 14 became presidents of universities. Three became United States congressmen. And one, although he was a black sheep spiritually, became the vice president of the United States, Aaron Burr Jr., which was Jonathan Edwards' grandson. Now you think about the legacy of two families. Are you listening, Dad? Think about the legacy you're going to leave behind. Think about your child, your children. Think about your sons, your daughters. Think about the legacy you're going to leave behind. When I think about today's generation, I think about people who know nothing about even practical things in society. They don't even know the simplest things of life, much less how to regulate a life in holiness and godliness and the biblical principles of life. And then the Bible said they have the gift of pleasure he said, his olive plants round about thy table. Now, the portrait of children around the table is also mentioned in Job's record. Job chapter 29, verse number 5. 
This mention in Job's record, the table and the place of family care and fellowship brought back the fondest memories of their family life. Now kids don't have anybody. There's nobody at home. They get on a bus before daylight, get off a bus in the afternoon. A lot of them are going to grandma and grandpa's house because nobody's at home. Mom and daddies are out on the streets running, ripping and roaring. And there's nobody there to lead and guide and direct and help. And we have created our own monster here in the society of America. Oh, how we need again for godly men to fear God, to follow him, to find their place in God's will, to lead their family for the lady to wrap herself like a vine around that family and realize the influence. When I read the story of Susanna Wesley who had over a dozen children and spent one hour of sacred instruction with them a week. Every one of them got one hour of sacred instruction and one preacher and one of the greatest songwriters that ever lived come out of that home. I say, you and I, they're saved. Ought to say, oh God, help us in this hour. Help us, Lord, as we pray and we try to press forward with our homes to be what God has designed for them to be. And nowadays, sadly, mom and dad have taken the child and made the television a babysitter or the video game just as long as they'll leave them alone. They don't care anything about what they're learning, what they're listening to, what they're involved in. And many times the whole situation comes crumbling down. And I want to say if you're a man or a woman that loved God, and I'm not going to preach out the rest of this passage because the psalmist makes very clear in this passage of Scripture that when the family is led by a man who fears God and follows God, we can expect the blessing of God, the blessing from Zion, the house of God. Oh, how beautiful it is when a man walks in the church door on Sunday, all his family in tow, and says, we're here in the house of God. We're here to hear God's word. We're here to offer up our worship to God. We brought our offering to the house of God. We desire to be not just a part, but we desire to be at the heart of all that God is doing here at the house of the Lord. So it affects Zion. It affects the house of God. It not only brings blessing to Zion, it brings good to Jerusalem. That is, the house of God is affected. The city of God is affected. That central part of Israeli society was that city where they would go back up three times a year. The male would go back up for Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of the Tabernacles. They'd get in the caravans and go to the house of God. And the Bible said, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It'll affect Zion. It'll affect Jerusalem. It will affect Israel. The Bible said in the last phrase, and peace upon Israel. Now, what does America need? We need a revival, not just in the church, but we need revival in the home. I know there's all kinds of naysayers. Well, preacher, that wouldn't work for us. No rule will work if you won't work. But if you'll work... I believe God will work. And if you'll come to God with that and bring it to him, I believe he can make something out of it for his honor and glory. Let's stand with our heads bowed tonight. Musicians are going to come.